Father, thank you for uh, this morning. Thank you that we are gathered here today, and I pray, Jesus, as we come to dive into your word, that your Holy Spirit would guide us and direct us and meet us exactly where we're at. And when we leave this building, we leave this place, that we be changed from the inside out because of your Holy Spirit. So guide us now in Jesus' name. Amen. You can have a seat. Well, welcome to church, folks. Glad you could be here. Today, we're going to continue on with our series called Another Helper. Pastor Chris started last week, did a great job unpacking that, and we're going to continue to dive into this series. We're excited about the series as a church, and I hope you are as well. It's an opportunity to really understand the Holy Spirit and in a different way that we maybe have never understood before. I was talking to somebody this morning after first service who said they've never even thought about the Holy Spirit in the relationship with Jesus. And this has been a great thing for them to already dive into. So we're grateful for that, and we are glad you are here this morning. So thank you for joining us. Before I get to that, I want you to put on my construction hat. You guys like it? Look good on me? All right, this is what I want you to do. I want you to turn around to your neighbor and ask them this is question. If you're building a house or a hotel or a building, what are the key elements you need when you're building a structure of such things? So talk to your neighbors, talk among yourselves, and come up with some answers. Good, good, good talking. Okay, so I asked you the question. Let's let's hear some answers. What are the important things when it comes to building the structure? What do you need? Firm Pardon? A plan. A plan. A what? Firm foundation. Firm foundation. Awesome. What else? Pardon? Workers to build it. Coffee. Coffee. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I love the coffee remark. Money. Absolutely. What else? Pardon? I have. You need hammer and nails. Those are all great things. And I, I wanted you to start thinking about that because as we think about in construction, one of the things we need is a strong foundation. Now, if you don't know what this is, this is a leaning tower of pizza. Now, back in the day when I first heard about this thing, I thought it was a leaning tower of pizza. So a few maybe thought the same thing. Now, eventually this is going to fall. This, this building will fall. Scientists travel to this town every year and they measure the building's slow descent. Now, they report that this 179-foot tower, which was built in 1173, moves about 1 20th of an inch, okay? And now it's 17 feet on a plump. That's why it's leaning that way. Now, recent renovations have saved this 810-year-old tower to prevent it from completely collapsing. Now, what's interesting is the word Pisa literally means marshy land. So they built this place on an area where the foundation wasn't very strong. As a matter of fact, the foundation for this particular building is only 10 feet deep. And that's why it's leaning over the way it is. Now the next building here, this is the John Hancock Center, which stands in Chicago, downtown Chicago. At one point, it was the tallest building in the world. At the peak of construction, over 2,000 people worked on this project which required over 500,000 hours to complete. 
with manpower all included. Enough steel was used to frame alone uh, to make over 33,000 cars. That's how much steel they ended up using in this building. Each of the four corners has columns that weigh 100 tons each, and every day the building uh, can generate enough power because of all the electricity that runs through it to generate enough power for a town or people of 30,000. That's incredible when you think about it. But the most significant part about this building is not just the unique design, but the way it is built. Now, this building itself stands on the very soft ground near Lake Michigan. And so the engineers thought, well, what are we going to do? Because it's very soft, the building could sink, so what are we going to do? So they ended up uh, bare, uh, drilling 10-foot holes and drilled about 190 feet into the bedrock, and they created a solid foundation, and now the building isn't going anywhere. And it's incredible to think about the contrast between the Tower of Pisa and this particular building. The foundation has to be strong. And some of you hit on it already. We're talking about a foundation. And we need a strong foundation, and that includes the work of the Holy Spirit. Now, Jesus himself had many strong foundations in his life. He had a life of fervent prayer. He was obedient to Father's agenda. Uh, the Word of God played a huge part in his life. He gave glory to his Father. He was relationally focused. And he was dependent on the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit played a foundational part in the life of Jesus. And the Holy Spirit should play a significant part of our journey with Christ as well. Now, the Holy Spirit was present at his birth. The Bible says the angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. The Holy Spirit was present in John at his baptism as well. We read in John, in chapter 1, Then John gave this testimony. I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. And I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, A man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and I testify that this is God's chosen one. Amazing. The Holy Spirit shows up at Jesus' baptism. Now, you continue to see Jesus' life. Uh, when Jesus was tempted by Satan, we read in the Bible again in Luke 4, it says that Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and the end of them he was hungry. Now, let's reflect on that for a second. Jesus was full of the Holy Spirit when he was facing temptation. And we need the power of the Holy Spirit when we are facing temptation. And as it says here that Jesus was hungry, but the Holy Spirit continued to give him power and strength as he was being tested by the enemy of our soul, Satan. An incredible thing to think about. Now, what's awesome about that, after Jesus left the desert, the Bible says this, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and, and news about him spread through the whole countryside he was teaching in their synagogues, and everybody praised him. Now, he went from temptation, and he was filled with the Holy Spirit. He comes out now. He's got the power of the Holy Spirit, and God is using him to further his kingdom. What an amazing thing to think about, that the Holy Spirit played a huge part in Jesus' life. And the Holy Spirit should play a huge part of our life as well. We'll continue to dive into Scripture here. Luke 4 says this, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me, to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of the sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, 
to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. See, Jesus was anointed by the Holy Spirit. And to do what? To go preach the good news, to give people freedom from being prisoners. So the Holy Spirit is something that we need to consider in our life and think about the power that is behind the Holy Spirit because Jesus is exampling this for us as well. Now, the Holy Spirit talks about, uh, is, is the source of our power. And the book of Acts talks about it as well, as we read in Acts chapter 1. Then they gathered around him and asked, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of, to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times and dates the Father has set by his own authority. But you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And after he said this, he was taken up before their eyes, and the cloud hid him from his sight. Now, just before Jesus ascends to heaven, he gives instructions and says, you will have the power of the Holy Spirit to be what? To be witnesses for his kingdom. Now, that's something that I look at when I think about sharing the gospel with people. It's through the power of the Holy Spirit that we can share the gospel with people. And Jesus is saying here that we will share the gospel to the ends of the earth. The Holy Spirit also calls and sends people. We read this in Acts 13. Now in the church at Antioch, there was a prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lucius, Cyrene, Manum, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. And the two of them sent on their way but was by the Holy Spirit went down to Seleucia and sailed from there to Cyprus. When they arrived at Salmas, they proclaimed the word of God in the Jewish synagogues. Now you can see the Holy Spirit sets folks apart to go do his work, to the work of the kingdom, to proclaim the gospel, to share the gospel with many, many people. Uh, the Holy Spirit uh, allows us to be bold and to be witnesses on his behalf as well. We continue to read in Acts 5. The God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead, whom you killed by hanging him on the cross. God exalted him on his own right hand as a prince and a savior, that he might bring Israel to repentance and forgive their sins. We are witnesses of these things. And so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. Now, these folks are standing and testifying that Jesus was raised from the dead and that God has exalted him. And that is through the power of the Holy Spirit. See, the Holy Spirit oversaw every aspect of the church's advance in the first century. Acts specifically names the Holy Spirit behind the church's growth. Acts 9 says this, Then the church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace and was strengthened. Living in the fear of the Lord and encouraged by the Holy Spirit, it increased in numbers. Now, if you're catching a theme here, it's an obvious one. The Holy Spirit is a huge part of Jesus' life and the folks in the book of Acts and other people as well in Scripture. So if that's the example that we are being shown, then the Holy Spirit should play an integral part of our lives as well as we witness, as we connect with people. Now, there's a story in Scripture I'm going to go through in Acts chapter 8. And this is when Philip is going to witness to an Ethiopian eunuch. And this is Acts 8, verses 26 to 40. Now, an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, to the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out on his way. He met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of the Canaanite. This man had gone to Jerusalem in worship and, was, and on his way home, sitting in the chariot, reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. 
and the spirit told prophet, go to that chariot and stay there. Now let's stop there for a second. The spirit is saying to Philip, go to the chariot and wait there because I will give you further instruction. That is a prompting of the Holy Spirit, a prompting in Philip's life. And Philip decides to be obedient and to follow through with instruction. Let's continue to read. Then Philip ran up to the chariot. He's so excited. He runs to the chariot. The Holy Spirit's calling me. I'm going to run to the chariot. I'm going to engage in this. He didn't walk timidly. He walked in the power of the Holy Spirit. And he heard the man reading Isaiah, the prophet. And then Philip asked a great question. Do you understand what you are reading? What an awesome question. And here's this man who's reading this. And the response from this eunuch is this. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. So here's an opportunity. Philip has an opportunity to share with this man because the man says, I don't get this. I don't understand this. Come share with me. Explain this to me. What an amazing witnessing tool, an opportunity. And Philip was so excited that he walked up there and he sat with him and he shared. And this is the passage of scripture that the eunuch is reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And he's talking about Jesus here. And as a lamb before, a shearer is silent. So he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from earth. And then the eunuch asked Philip, tell me please, who is the prophet talking about? Himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. So there's an opportunity. This man again asked Philip and Philip responds by saying, let me tell you about Jesus. That is amazing to me. The power of the spirit behind that moment. Philip walked in the strength of that. And as they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, look, here's the water. What can stand in the way of me being baptized? And he's asking the question. And he gave orders to stop the chariot, and the Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came out of the water, the spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. So here's this man reading the Bible, and Philip comes along, and the Holy Spirit uses him to be what? A witness. And this man gives his life to Jesus. He gets baptized, and Philip goes on his way. And you read the scripture, Philip ends up going somewhere else to do some mission work. It's pretty incredible. Now, as we think about the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit can help us engage people that are far from the gospel. I did not grow up in a Christian home. I grew up in Vancouver, and quick background on this, my parents were practicing Hindus. I practiced Hinduism until I was 14 years old. And when I came to Christ, my parents said, we want nothing to do with it, absolutely nothing. And I respected that, but my heart's desire was always to tell them about Jesus. And a few years ago, before I was married, I was living in Edmonton, and I was meeting with a group of pastors, and I was telling them about my Vancouver trip coming up with some friends. And they knew about my story, about my family, and the history that's there. And the struggle it is when I go visit my family. And because when you go visit my family's house, there's altars there. There's pictures of other gods there. You can really pick up the spiritual tension in my family's home. So they said to me, Mesh, we want to bless you before you go. I said, awesome. So they sat me in the middle of a, of a room. They sat around me. They laid hands on me. And they started to pray. But as they prayed the Holy Spirit gave me a word picture in my spirit. And he was going to show me what was exactly going to happen when I went to Vancouver. It played out like a movie for me in my mind's eye. 
It was so detailed. It was so specific. I could not deny it. And they kept praying for me. I, I just remember hearing this through the Spirit and just putting it in my heart. And going, what am I going to do with this? And so they were done praying, and we left the next day on this road trip uh, to Vancouver. We drove from Edmonton to Vancouver in a van, and it's a bit of a drive. We had some great conversations on the way there. And I was sharing a little bit as to what had happened in my experience, but I didn't share fully uh, what I experienced. So we got to the house, and it was later on in the, in the evening, and my mom was sleeping. She let us in the house. I actually had a key. She saw us, said hello. She went back to bed. I went to my old room where I used to be in, and my buddies went to the other rooms. Now, this room I used to sleep in back in the day when I came to faith was my church, was my church building, was the room I worshiped Jesus in, was my altar. That's where I hung out with Jesus. That's where I was allowed to hang out with Jesus. So I went to bed, and I woke up the next day, and uh, I got my Bible, and I started reading on the edge of my bed. And as I'm reading, I hear a knock-knock on the door. And as soon as that knock happened, that word picture that I had experienced the day before, the movie started to play in my head and the pieces started all coming together. It was exactly like it was filmed the day before and it's happening here. My mom opens the door, she knocks, I said, come on in. She asked me what I'm doing and it's all playing out in my mind if I've seen it. And I was freaking out because I was excited, I was nervous because I haven't had many opportunities to share the gospel with my family. And when I have, they've rejected it fully. And she asked me what I was doing. And I could just see this thing unraveling in front of me in a very amazing way, piece by piece. Well, I said, Mom, I'm reading my Bible. And in this movie picture that I had the word before, the night before, it came, and she came and sat on the edge of the bed, just like I saw as they were praying for me. And I said, Mom, can I tell you about Jesus? And that's exactly what I saw when they were praying for me. And I shared the gospel for her, with her. I went through Genesis right to the end in about four minutes. <laughs> and I was excited. And I went through the whole thing. And she sat there listening with intent. She made eye contact. Now, I want to tell you real quick, my mom has a grade four or five education. She doesn't write English very well. She can speak broken English at best. But she doesn't have great education. Neither does my dad. And we kept talking. And I kept sharing. And at the end of it, I picked up my Bible, which is a pretty thick Bible, and I said to my mom, would you read this? And she said a very cute response, and she goes, that's really big. <laughs> I said, you know what? I can get your smaller Bible. And would you start reading it? And she said, yes. So she leaves the room, and as soon as she left the room, it's like the Holy Spirit said, cut, done. That was it. The movie ended. It was so detailed. And at that point, I got up, I saw my buddy, and he had some tears in his eyes. I went and grabbed somebody else. I said, we need to go now to the bookstore, the Bible bookstore, and get my mom a Bible in the word Hindi. That's what she understands as Hindi. They're like, let's do it. So we roll out there. It's down the road a bit, about 15-minute drive. We get there. Nothing's open. It's all closed. But I thought, we're waiting here, boys. We waited an hour in the car. A little shivering. We're hanging out like we're getting this Bible. So we get into the store, and I asked the lady directly, I said, do you have any Bibles, New Testament Bibles in Hindi? She goes, yeah, they're in the back over there. Walked over there, one left. Picked it up, gave it to my mom. And she's been reading on and off since then. Now, I tell you that story because there's this understanding that we need to understand as well that we can have direct fellowship with the Holy Spirit. 
and the Holy Spirit can move us to change the kingdom. The Bible says, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Now, to be led by the Holy Spirit is an amazing thing, but to understand, folks, we can have fellowship with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not this scary thing that we talk about sometimes. Oh, what's the Holy Spirit mean? We can have direct fellowship with the Holy Spirit. And we have direct fellowship with the Holy Spirit. God is going to use us mightily to change his world that he put us in and to add people to the kingdom. And it gives us an opportunity to witness as well. Now, as we think about the Holy Spirit and, and the temperatures in our lives, I want to read something of the Bible in Romans 8. And this is what the Bible says. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. I'm going to say that again. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. Now, when I read that scripture, it, it really helps me understand that the spirit and the flesh are in battle. There's a constant battle going on. And there's something we got to consider and ask the question to ourselves. Where are we with the Holy Spirit? Where are we in our faith with Jesus? What is the temperature gauge about your faith and where you are with Christ? You know, a few years ago, I was driving to a retreat, and this is when I was single living in Edmonton. And before you hit a road trip, you got to get a few essentials. You pack a bag, you go to 7-Eleven, get yourself a Slurpee, hit the road trip. It's all good. So I'm driving on the road, and I got my big Slurpee. I got the music going on. I'm excited about going to this retreat. And I'm driving along, and I noticed that my temperature gauge, which looked like that on the screen there, was in the middle. Uh, but it started to creep up a little higher. Now, if you know your temperature gauges, the ideal spot is the middle, okay? If it's way to the right, you got to get that checked. If it's way to the bottom, get it checked. So the middle's the sweet spot. So I'm driving along, and I'm seeing the temperature gauge get higher and higher and higher. Now, I'm getting really close to where I want to go, and this retreat center is, is attached to a campsite as well, so there's campers as well hanging around. So I pull in, and now the temperature gauge is so far to the right, I cannot see it. So I'm like, oh, that's not good. Then all of a sudden, my car makes this noise. I don't know if you have one of these in your car. My car has this thing called the check engine light. Now, it just doesn't flash. Mine makes a noise. So the check engine sign is on. It's this temperature gauge is right to the right. I'm thinking, well, that can't be very good. So I pull over, put the car in park. And I'm sort of handy. I can figure out a few things. So I, I unlatch the hood from inside of the car, walk to the front of the car, and I lift up the hood. If you've seen the movie Backdraft, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> My car was on fire. My engine was on fire. Flames are going. It was crazy. So my first response is I start blowing on the fire. Don't recommend that whatsoever. My second response is I run to the car and I grab my big Slurpee and I run to the front and I throw it onto the flame thinking it's going to help. Well, the flames got bigger. So don't buy Slurpees. You know what's going in your body. So I'm watching this car burn and there's campsites around me. I'm thinking, what am I going to do? I was pretty calm. And so this young gentleman, about 16 years old, comes running at me. And he asked me the most profound question I've ever been asked in my life. He looked directly at the fire. He looked at me. He looked at the fire again. He says, is everything okay? <laughs> and I'm like, do I be sarcastic or no? 
So I left it. I said, well, you know, you see my car, it's on fire. Um, do you have any water or a blanket? Can you help me out? He goes, yeah, I can do that. I can do that. I can do that. And I'm thinking this guy's going to freak out. And I said, can you just kind of keep it down? And he said, okay. He takes off, but as he's running to get supplies, he's yelling, fire, fire, fire. So all of a sudden, I'm slacking my car burn, and there's people all of a sudden watching my car burn. People showed up with some blankets, and they got some water, and they doused the fire. It was all good. My car was a write-off. Everything worked out. Nobody got injured. Now, I tell you that because wouldn't it be amazing if we had the ability to have a temperature gauge in our life that could tell us how hot and cold we are with our relationship with Jesus, including the work of the Holy Spirit? And what if we had... A signal that went on, check your heart, check your heart, check your heart, check your soul, check your soul, check your soul. How are you doing? How are you doing? See, I believe we have that, and that's the Word of God. See, the Word of God tells us that, and I read that Romans verse already, the Word of God tells us in Galatians 5, 25, as we talk about the flesh and the spirit, being in battle, being engaged in this battle that is always constantly going on. But the Bible says this, since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Every part of our lives. So as you think about your faith, and you think about the Holy Spirit, where the Holy Spirit fits in your life, where's your gauge? Are you on the, on the cold side? Are you on the hot side? Are you in the middle? And what's keeping you from getting closer to the age, to the hot side, to the Holy Spirit side? What are the things in your life that are holding you back? See, I think when we talk about this battle of the flesh and the spirit, there are a lot of things that we can do in our lives that can keep us from a deepening relationship with Jesus and the depth of the work of the Holy Spirit. And that word is sin. That's, that's the word that can break the heart of God. And those are the things that keep us further from Jesus. And as you think about this battle that we're constantly in, what are the things that we are engaging in as people that help us not stay on this track to follow Christ. Now, I understand we're not perfect. I understand we're stumbling our way towards heaven. I get all of that. But there are intentional choices that we can make in our life that can hinder and, and hurt our relationship with Jesus. And what are the things for you? You know, the Bible talks a lot of these things. It talks about bitterness and anger and gossip and malice, sexual immorality. What are the things you're dealing with that are keeping you from a deepening relationship and the release and the power of the Holy Spirit. See, I believe that there's power in the Holy Spirit. We get freedom from these things that hold us back. We talked about a song earlier about the shackles that hold us back. What are the shackles that are holding you back from a deeper relationship with Jesus? And some of those things in the church, often we talk about the flesh and the spirit and the war that goes on. Often people will talk about the sexual immorality that goes on. That's absolutely a part of it. But there's also gossip and malice and anger and jealousy and corruption. And the list can go on and on and on. We tend to focus on these other rocks and go, oh, that's, not, that's just too big. I'm not even, that's not even me. But if we're really honest about that, and if you think about the people that were in this together, statistics will say that there's folks in here are struggling through a mighty bunch of things. And those things are hurting your relationships. They're hurting you. They're hurting the relationship you have with God. And what are those things? And we need to identify those things in our life so we can walk in freedom. Because you know what? As pastors here at this church and as a church as a whole, as Christ followers, we want to see every single person experience freedom in Jesus. Because when we live in freedom in Jesus, God is going to use us so mightily we've never even experienced it before. See, I've seen the Holy Spirit break people free from bondage of sin. 
I've seen the Holy Spirit release people from broken marriages. I've seen the Holy Spirit help people become deeper followers of Jesus. And we can experience the same thing. But the question I have for you and for myself is, are you all in? Are you all in? Are you all in with the Holy Spirit? Will you allow the Holy Spirit to lead and direct every part of your life, including those dark crevices of places we don't ever want to talk about? See, when we live in the flesh, we can feel stuck. We can feel stressed. We can feel defeated. We can feel empty, discouraged, mediocre, and guilty. But when we live in the Spirit, we can have spiritual growth. We can have contentment. We can feel forgiveness. We can give forgiveness. We can sense intimacy with Jesus. We can have peace, hope, and freedom. See, I've seen it happen. I've seen it happen in my life. I don't want to live a mediocre life with Jesus. I just don't. And I'm not perfect in that, but my challenge and my encouragement for all of us is to say, are you all in and are you tired of the mediocrity? And what are the things that are keeping you from that? I remember a few years ago, I was driving home with a, a friend of mine and he was attending the church I was at. And we're just chatting about things, just getting to know this guy a little bit. And he said he wanted to share something with me that he was struggling through. And we kept talking and we got near in front of his house and he didn't really tell me what it was at this point. But I had, a, I had a hunch. And so I looked directly at him. I said, brother, I thank you for sharing today. But you haven't told me much, but I'm going to guess because the Holy Spirit had told me on the drive there as we kept going, as I prayed for him, as I listened, and I knew what it was. And I looked right at him, and I said, you're struggling with pornography, aren't you? And he said, yes. He's addicted to pornography. And I said, you know what, brother? You get freedom in this. Absolute freedom in this. And we're going to help you find freedom in this. And as he was talking, he said, you know, Mesh, I've never told anybody this ever. But since I've told you, you know what? You know what word I feel? He feels released. He feels free because he's not in it by himself anymore. He's got help. Because when Satan says to you, keep your stuff to yourself because you're no good, you're not worthy, he does that so he can feel isolated without community. But when we come out of that and we start sharing our struggle and be authentic in our struggle, there is freedom and hope in that. And you know who gets all the glory? Jesus. See, that's what it's about, folks. I've seen it in my own life. I, I'm a pretty open book guy. I share my things. I don't stand on the front of the platform and share everything with you. But I'll tell you where I'm at with stuff. You know, I've often said, I'm not the best husband in the world. I'm not the best father in the world. But what's great about all of that is the Holy Spirit continues to change me and teach me. And that's helped my marriage. It's helped me be a better father, a better husband, a better Christ follower. Now, as you've come here this morning, and I use a word that often isn't said in the church these days, is pornography. You can fill in the blank with something else as well. It could be rage. It could be anger. It could be jealousy. It could be hatred. It could be greed. Whatever that blank is for you, have you shared that with anyone? Because folks, I want to say this right now. There is no condemnation in what you're going to share with whoever you share it with. And if somebody comes to you and they share the struggle because they're living in the flesh, you need to accept that fully and say you're still with them heart and soul. Because when we share our struggle and somebody says, well, that's no good, you're no good. 
That's the worst thing we can say. And I'm telling you all this because when you look at the example of Scripture, when you look at Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit, the apostles in Scripture, they changed people's lives because of the work of the Holy Spirit. Now, were they perfect? Absolutely not. The Apostle Paul called himself the greatest sinner, the chief of sinners. But he was empowered and he was used and he was honest about it. And I want this for you guys. I want this for me. The rest of the pastors and the board want this for all of us together because we are in this together. And there's a renewing that comes in the Holy Spirit. And that's what the Holy Spirit does in our life. The Holy Spirit renews us, brings us freedom. The Holy Spirit can train us in the word of God. The Holy Spirit can change us from the inside out. The Holy Spirit teaches us because we don't have all the answers. But the Holy Spirit can teach us. The Holy Spirit can transform us. I have seen so many people's lives change. Marriages fixed. Relationships healed because of the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit leads us. You know, you look at Jesus. He was led by the Spirit in strength and in power. And that power is available to us. And as we continue to engage in this series about the Holy Spirit, my encouragement to you and my encouragement to myself as well is to be open as the Holy Spirit leads you and to be open to what the Holy Spirit is saying to you because there might be stuff that the Holy Spirit shines upon in your life and says, you know what? You need to tell someone. You need to find community because the beautiful thing about Acts is this. Acts chapter two, and Pastor Chris mentioned this last week, this idea that there's community when it comes to the kingdom that they shared in fellowship, they broke bread together, they listened to the apostles' teaching, and they gave each other as they saw a need. And the best part of all of that is what? 3,000 people came to faith. That's what it's all about. Now, the worship team is gonna come up. Before they do that, I just want you to ask you one question. Is this? Big picture, big question for the day. Are we living in the power of the Holy Spirit or in the struggle of the flesh? See, when we live in the power of the Holy Spirit, there are no more shackles. There's freedom. It doesn't mean you're perfect. It just means you're on a journey with the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit will lead you. But when we walk with chains, we're in bondage and there's no freedom in that. And we need that freedom that brings us joy and hope and encouragement. Only through the power of the Holy Spirit can Christ's followers do great things in the name of Jesus. Only in through the power of the Holy Spirit. This has nothing to do with me. This is about the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's an amazing concept to figure out, isn't it? Now, if you've come here this morning and you're still trying to figure out who God is and is Jesus real, understand this. See, the Holy Spirit could be doing a work in your life as well. Now, the question is, are you willing to respond to that and say, Jesus, take me. I'm all yours. I'm all in. And what's it going to take? Now the worship team is going to come up and they're going to lead us through a song. Uh, but before they actually, we engage in the song, we're going to take a minute just to let, they're going to play just with their instruments. And I really want you to just invite the Holy Spirit to come and to show you, to show me, where's that temperature gauge? What's going on? What's holding you back from, from a deeper richness relationship with the work of the Holy Spirit. Let me pray, and then we're going to dive into that. Father, uh, 
thank you. Uh, thank you that you sent your Holy Spirit for us. And thank you, Jesus, that you modeled the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. And Father, I know that none of us are perfect. I know that we struggle, we stumble towards heaven and we're on this journey together. And I pray in Jesus' name that you show us now through the ministry of your Holy Spirit. Show us those areas in our life that are holding us back from a deeper, more meaningful relationship with you. I pray in Jesus' name that those walls that are up would be broken through the power of the Holy Spirit. Whatever's holding us back from the shackles that are holding us down, that are handcuffing us when we're living in the flesh, I pray in Jesus' name for freedom. Father, give us courage in that. Give us strength and wisdom. And Lord, as we come now, as you minister to us through your Holy Spirit, show us through the power of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. with God one day, God says, you know, get up and go and go into the land that I've promised to you and I'm going to take you there. I'm commanding you to go. And Moses' response is, unless your presence goes with us, don't send us. Unless you're coming with us, unless your spirit is going with us, don't send us. We, we don't want to do this without you. How will anyone even know that we're any different than any other people on the earth unless it's your presence, unless it's your spirit working in us. Moses says, we're not taking a step. And what just rises up in me every time I come to prayer, every time I open my Bible these days is just there's more, there's more, there's more, there's more. There's more to understand. There's more that is available. There's more of God to experience. There's so much more. And we're doing this series because of exactly that. And this, the stories that we're sharing uh, you know, from the pulpit are not because we're pastors. They're available to anyone. The Spirit is here for anyone who wants it. And life is easier when you have a helper. He comes to do this with us and through us and for us. And it takes away the drudgery and it takes away the hard work and it takes away the dryness when the Spirit is moving, when His presence is here, when He's here doing this with us. And that's what we're praying for. And that's just what it starts with. It starts with us saying, Lord, I'm open to more. Come, Holy Spirit. I'm ready for more. I'm, I'm looking for more. I want to know you better. Because the book of Acts lays out a, a lifestyle of the Spirit that I'm not living in its fullness. And they're seeing things happen that I'm not seeing happen in my day-to-day -day life. And they're not just doing it once a year at a conference or on a Sunday morning. That's every day for them. They're, they're experiencing God in a new way. And so we're praying into that. And we want to pray into that today. And we'll be up here to pray. If you want to come afterwards and pray, we can pray with you. Uh, but let's pray together. Father, thank you for the gift that you give. Thank you for the word uh, from our lead pastor this morning and the encouragement and the challenge there. Uh, as we seek more of you. And we thank you, Lord, that you have come to do this with us and your presence comes to mark us as your people and that there is more that we can experience. There is more that is offered. There's more of you. And that's what we want, Lord, that we are, are looking for. And so we say, come, Holy Spirit. 
you are welcome here. Make us more aware of your presence and your leading and your power in our lives. Thank you that we don't do this alone, but that you desire to fill us and to overflow, as Mesh said, to transform us and to renew us. You desire to do all these things. We're not in this by ourselves. Come, Holy Spirit. Come in every part of our lives. Make us into who you've created us to be, Lord and fill us to overflowing with your presence and your power, with your leading and your anointing, with everything that you have for us. Come, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.